So I'm a bit more formal today than I normally am on Wednesday nights. We're usually coming off of a game, right, as we're jumping into a uh, message. What a, what a great day today. Uh, it's so fun to watch students' lives unfold and what they pursue and what they go after. And um, today, what, a, what a, great, a great class. And this is the first time for me to just have Owasso graduates we usually have all kinds of different schools and all different places, but today is kind of a special moment. When Pastor was talking about me preaching this morning, he said, Pastor Kevin, here's what I want you to do. I want you to preach about patience as part of the fruit of the Spirit. That's kind of a tall order for me in this area of patience. I've been a youth pastor for, like you said a minute ago, a long time. And one of the things you have to develop as a youth pastor is patience. Because it's just part of the landscape that somehow, some way, teenagers might push your button on patience. Can anyone attest to that around the room? You've ever, if you've ever been a, a parent of a teenager or you've been a teacher of teenagers, somehow, some way, they have a way of knowing where to find your button of patience. Um, so love, great, joy, super, peace, all those are awesome. And then we get to number four. Number four, patience. Well, patience is this. Biblical patience is a God-exercised or a God-given restraint in the face of opposition or oppression. It's not passive. Instead, the initiative lies within God's love and his power in a Christian's life. How many of you need God's power in your life? Thank goodness we serve a supernatural God because it helps me when my natural comes to an end. Have you ever had your natural come to an end? Ever been at the end of your natural, your nature of who you are? And so I was thinking about that today. The true test of patience comes, okay? Here's where it comes in. When our rights are violated. When another car cuts us off in traffic, I'm sure I'm the only person that deals with that issue. When we are treated unfairly, or maybe when our coworker decides to come against our faith again, but especially when you work with teenagers. Did you know that kids and teenagers can test your patience? Anyone have any little kids? They're over in kids' church right now, and you're in here, and you're like, hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, for this moment of peace. My patience returns during service. How many of you have ever had a day or a week when your patience was just tested, like it was constantly tested? But here's what I've found is one of the greatest tests of patience is people. We love people. We love being around people. But sometimes, have you ever figured out you have to follow up when you're patient? You have to follow up, and then you have to follow up again, and then you have to follow up again, and then you have to follow up again. And I'll give you, for instance, Pastor RJ's talking about all these great things that happen at our church. One of the things we don't do well here at Owasso First Assembly of God is deadlines. Signing up for something. Anyone ever been past the deadline on something? You got stuff in you, late? Students somehow, some way. Um, you know, signing up and, and getting, getting things in order. There's patience that goes 
with that? How many of you just didn't get around to it? You didn't, but you intended to, but sometimes for each of us, the greatest place that we have to have patience is with people. So here we go. Patience is defined as the ability to wait without becoming hasty or impetuous. Or the quality of forbearance and self-control, which shows itself particularly in its willingness to wait upon God and upon his will. Have you ever had to wait on what God's going to do? How many of you ever wanted God's will to happen right now? And how many of you ever wanted God's will to happen just exactly like you wanted it right now? Isn't that where patience comes in when those two don't line up, when those two things don't come together specifically In the Greek, it said this, makoruth imia. And I know I need to talk to Josh Wagner to make sure I got that exactly correct, but he's out of the country today, so we're going to go with that's how you're supposed to say it. I've listened to it multiple times. The beginning part of that is long distance, far off. Long distance, far off. The second part of it, though, is to be furious or to burn with intense anger kind of sounds like an oxymoron it kind of sounds like these two things don't go together is to wait a long is to have this long look at this really intense fire this really intensity and it it kind of sounds like a strange word when it when you put that together for patience it's a long holding out of the mind before taking an action often translated as long suffering and defined as long holding out of the mind before it gives room to anger. Now, the good thing, and Pastor has lots of different programs, and I've founded BibleGateway.com, which is an online program, which allows me to go look at all these different translations of the Bible. In studying for my doctorate, when I did that, one of our professors said this. Here's what you can do, is if you read every different version of a verse, you've taken 500 scholars' thoughts on that, And you've read their thoughts together. So if you read every single one of them, you've added thousands of people into this thought process of reading scripture so you have a clear understanding of what it is. So King James says it this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. The new King James says it like this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. The NIV, but the fruit of the Spirit is is love, joy, peace, forbearance. And it just inserts at this fourth word, just a different word. But sometimes when we read words, we go, well, I wonder if patience is just a passive thing. I wonder if it's, and and what I found is there's other places in scripture where the patience that's referred to here, this long distance far off, burning with intense anger, this, this definition of this is that they're robust words instead of just kind of passive words. Like, these two different scriptures, Hebrews 12, 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. That's with a lot. That's not with kind of. That's with a whole lot in there. Second Peter 3, 9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That patience sounds like a very active patience. 
Patience, forbearance, tolerance, long-suffering. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, continuing to put up with others. From Vine's commentary, it says this, anger is the opposite of patience. So in the definition of it is this, this intense anger, but it's put off. It's extended. So love is patient. Remember the same author who wrote this also wrote in Corinthians about, and that's where he started. Isn't that amazing that that's where he started at is love is patient. How many of you ever loved somebody to death? <laughs> Have you ever said that out loud? So, is it right if I just meddle a little bit this morning? Seniors, I'm happy that you've made it to this end. You have a couple of weeks left. You're just about to the end. You may have one teacher that has one thing that you've got to finish. But really, it's downhill slide right here. You're almost to the end of this. But how many of you have ever run into something that causes your impatience? Does anyone have a place of impatience? Anyone here have a place of impatience where your impatience rises to the top? How many of you drive to church separate on Sunday mornings in different cars so that your impatience? <laughs> pastor, I think all the whole time I've been a kid, a pastor's kid, we always drove separate cars to church. I don't know. In our family, I think we bring every car we have at our house to church every Sunday morning. Seems to help with the patience of getting out the door on the right time. But I have a place of impatience. Has anyone ever driven to Tulsa and gotten off at 71st Street? There's a lane for you to drive in, not to park in. It's true, there's a lane. If you exit on the lane and you're going right, it's got a full lane for you to keep driving. But inevitably, the person in front of me every time stops, puts their brakes on in a lane where it's meant to drive. That's a place of impatience for me. When I, when I was thinking about this for today, the sixth grade drop-off line is another place of impatience for me. It might be worse at some other school, but I don't know where it is. And I've driven this a couple of times with my daughter and with my son now. Some days I'll just go another way because it's just the worst. And then driving in general. How many of you have impatience when you're driving? I, I don't know. And here's what happens. Anne is the voice of the Holy Spirit sitting next to me when I'm impatient driving down the road. She goes, you never know what kind of day they're having. You don't know what's going on in their life. You should be kind. You should be kinder to people. In just a couple of weeks, you're going to hear her talk about this thing of kindness. And as I'm impatient, she's preaching a sermon to me. Have you ever been to a sporting event? Does anyone ever get impatient at a sporting event? Parents that know better than the coach, than the referee, than the umpire. We run into these moments. How about the grocery line? How many ever get impatient with the person who's checking you out? And how many, it's in the, Self-checkout line that you get impatient with the person that's checking you out. <laughs> Have you ever tried to scan something and it doesn't work five different ways? 
impatience. It's part of this society. It's part of this day. And what's really scary is if you go on almost any social media platform, you can find videos of people like going over the top of their impatience. Why do we enjoy watching other people being impatient? Social media. Do you ever get on social media and someone's being impatient with someone else and they give a whole story? How many of you have ever laughed at it because the person that wrote something, they didn't read fully what was there and they assumed or projected something and they gave this whole rant and I'm like, you're just agreeing with the person that's there. Just this impatience thing is part of our society today. Life is full of places of impatience. So you know what I know that I need? I need the supernatural help of God's patience, that long burning, that long time when I get really angry, when I really get upset, I've got to have this length to myself. Have you ever run into people of impatience? Anyone ever been to the tag agency? Anyone taking your student, new student, to go to the DMV? Right now, the DMV is like the gold standard test for patience. What about the doctor's office? What about a restaurant? See, I've tried to solve some of my impatience. I would prefer a reservation than walking in anywhere ever. So what, what do you do with this? I mean, your mom or your dad is where impatience comes in. How about a teacher? How about that one teacher? Or how many of you ever had a friend that just pushes every impatient button that you have? People of impatience. By the way, you might be that person. Just saying. But I want you to hear this today. And the reason I've brought up people in places of impatience is this. Um, sometimes there's results of impatience. Have you ever made a really poor decision because you were impatient? How about this? Have you ever rushed into things that would be far better left alone than to jump right into it? And, and then this one here, um, conflict. Have you ever gotten into conflict? Jerry Ann sent me a video this week. She thought it was behind my house. Fortunately, it wasn't behind my house. It was just three more holes down on the golf course here in Owasso. I don't know if you've seen the famous in Owasso golf course out behind a house on the ninth hole where some people decided not to play golf, but to go MMA on each other in the backyard. And there's high school golfers videoing this and taking this in. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I couldn't show it to you this morning because it's not clean to show it to you this morning. What just happened here in town? And it makes national, it makes national news all of a sudden. And I'm like, man, just conflict. Why do we get into dumb stuff at times? Drivers that get into 
dumb conflict. Just, and I'm like, what, the results of impatience, and for students at times, students get in, rush into impatience with another friend, and something happens at school, and all of a sudden, they're both suspended. They're both an ISP. They're both out of school. There's something going on because they rushed into a conflict really quick. Listen to this. Let me, let me start to wrap this up a little bit today. Impatient choices can change your future. Irrational, impatient choices can change your future. And the one that immediately jumped into my mind was Saul rushing to do things in his way instead of having patience on God and following the patience of Samuel. Remember, Samuel was the prophet, and he had told him, I'll be there and we'll go forward. And in 1 Samuel 13, as as for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. So it's not a good leadership moment. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him, so he noticed that his leadership was kind of falling apart in this moment. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offering here to me, and he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel showed up. You know, one of the things of waiting on God and waiting on instruction is to wait fully on that instead of taking things into your own hands, to do things in your own way. This was a tragic moment for Saul because Samuel comes to him and says, what have you done? And what does Saul do? He gives him a couple of excuses of why he did what he did. But out of it, the consequence of making this impatient choice was that the kingdom was no longer to stay with his family. It would go to another family out of his moments of impatience. Here's what I know. I never know what moment it's going to be that impatience and my decisions in impatience is going to affect me long term. I, I wish I knew when it was. I wish there was a red warning flag that would go, hey, this one time of being impatient is really going to cost you. But I never know when it is. So what do I have to do? I have to make a decision to be full of the Spirit, to be full of the fruit of the Spirit. I found this verse when I was reading and studying to, to prepare today, and I just, it just grabbed me. Here's what I need to do. I need to establish my heart. I need to establish my heart that I'm going to be full of the Spirit. The Bible says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And one of the things I want added to me is the fruit of, of the Spirit. I want that addition in my life. James 5, 7 through 8 is where I found this at. He said this. It's, it's in a verse where he's talking about patience. He says, there, therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. That's a long time because I don't know when that is. I don't know when the Lord's coming. I've got to just keep being patient. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. And then this, this little part of the scripture grabbed me. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. So you know what it means? It means I've got to settle in my heart. I've got to settle in my heart that I'm going to trust God 
that I'm actually going to trust him. Now, there's some things I, I teach and that I coach. I take time to coach other youth pastors and other people that are new in ministry. Denton and I, Denton Field and I set this up about eight years ago. We started doing this to help people who may not have had the, the opportunities that I've been granted. I've been granted some unbelievable opportunities in ministry. I started underneath a youth pastor who'd been youth pastoring for 15 years at Lakeside Assembly in Oklahoma City. God intersected our lives when I was a 16-year-old, and thank goodness I met him. It changed and transformed how I do life and ministry. I spent a summer in London interning in another country. It completely expanded my worldview. And on this thing of patience, boy, that really moved me out of American patience to global patience, and it's a different thing. So out of that, though, I've come up with a few things that I teach students and I talk about with students. So is it okay if we go down some practical application things? I am convinced that being patient is a supernatural thing, but I believe naturally we can do some things to help in this area of patience. Number one, have you ever seen a fire? You ever seen a fire happening? You ever seen a fire happening between people? Like, not really a fire, but something's happening. Something's going on. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's with your mom. Maybe it's with your dad. Maybe it's at your job. You see this fire going on. All of a sudden, this fire is happening. Boom. And here's the thing, and pastors use this a bunch, and I've used it a bunch as well. There's two different buckets that you can grab in this moment. If you grab the bucket that has gasoline in it, and you throw it on the fire... Guess what it's going to do? It's going to blow up. How many of you ever, with just a couple of words, you blew something up? You said a couple of things. You didn't think it all the way through. You said it all the way through, but you didn't think it through. And you threw that bucket on there, and then all of a sudden it's like, and you're like, wow, that's going to take a lot to put out. It may take more than those two words I just said or those three words I just, boom, this thing is. Or what if that fire starts up and you have a bucket over here that has water in it and instead of igniting it and sending it to orbit, you pour water on it and all of a sudden you calm something because you could. You brought, remember that long, that long fuse, that long distance of going, hey, I'm going to put water on this. And you know what happens? Calm comes out of that, and patience comes out of that. And you know what? I believe the Holy Spirit shows up in the middle of that when we calm things down instead of exploding things. So the next time you see a fire, what are you going to put on it? You're going to pour gasoline on it? You're going to pour water on it? That's a choice. See, that's a, that's a human natural choice that I get to make. And if you read the Bible... There are all kinds of people who poured gasoline on things. And then there was also in the Bible people who poured water on things. And we would consider them people who have wisdom. So when I naturally figure out one way or two ways to demonstrate patience, I believe that the Holy Spirit compounds that for us. Second one is this. Have you ever been at the scene of an accident or have you driven by an accident? You've seen an accident. You see it. And here's, here's an interesting thing today, and this is probably my favorite one for youth pastors. They do not send first reactors 
to the site of an accident. How I many if you showed up at the site of an accident, you would be a reactor? Oh my goodness, you're bleeding out. You're going to die right there. That's not who we send to the site of an accident. Why? Because that would just make the place crazy. It would just make things go insane. So instead of sending a first reactor, and let me just hang out there for a second. Have you ever been around somebody that's a nuclear reactor? Now here's the scary question. How many of you have ever looked at yourself for a moment and said, that was a nuclear reaction? I just was a nuclear reaction. I just went off on something. How many of you have ever gone off on something that was so small and so nothing, but you just went? No, who they send to the site of an accident is a first responder, somebody who's been trained to show up. They may be bleeding out. It may be really bad. It may be really awful. And they assess the circumstance and go, well, we're going to fix you up. It might be as bad as the other person that just saw it. But what do they do? They come in and they respond to what they see. Can I train myself to be a first responder? I've worked really hard on this one. I have kids come in my office and they say things. Sometimes it's not great what they say. It just, it may be whatever. They sit down across from me and they say, hey, Pastor Kevin, this. And if I'm a reactor, all I'm going to do is constantly react. And I, I, Pastor, I believe with my whole heart, where Michael's office is now, uh, I was in my office there one day and a couple of kids had totally failed. They'd totally blown up their life. They'd just, they'd made some decisions, made some irrational, impractical decisions, and they had just, kind of blown up being in a Bible school setting and they come to my office to see me. And when I was younger, I had ability to have K-mode. I had the ability to go off and go, oh. But I, I remember sitting in my office when these two young men stuck their head in my door, stuck their head in around my door. because they, they In the past, they would have just rolled into my office. They'd have thrown themselves on the couch. They'd have been whatever, owned the place. But this day, they stuck their head in the door just kind of, because they hadn't let me know what had happened. They hadn't let me know any of the circumstances of them being let go or any of those things. And I felt the Holy Spirit really helped me in that moment to receive them well instead of to react on them. Because a reaction in that moment of impatience would have propelled them a different direction. It didn't change what they had done. It didn't change what their decisions had been. It, it didn't change any of those things. But how I received them was super important. Now, you know what's really crazy? They're, they're both in ministry doing great things that the journey that they missed out there took them a different way. But now they're both doing things in ministry that they wouldn't have found if they hadn't gone through that moment. But it was people that received them that helped them, people that responded to them instead of reacting to them. And I believe this, that it's a mindset. If you excuse the way you act, that's a fixed mindset. A growth mindset says this, God, with your help and your ability, I'm gonna trust in your Holy Spirit to take me from who I've been to who I need to be. That's a choice. Please today, if you don't hear anything else, don't excuse 
being impatient, would you instead grow in becoming patient? Growing in patience is a process, and James said it like this, establishing your hearts. I want to establish my heart to be a heart that's after God. Some patient people examples. I want to give these, and then we'll wrap up today. Abraham patiently endured and obtained the promise. It's from Hebrews 6, 15. The prophets were an example of suffering and having patience in that from James 5, 10. You've heard of the patience of Job, James 5, 11. Those who, through faith and patience, inherited the promise in Hebrews. We commend ourselves in patience. You, being so wise, gladly bear with fools. 2 Corinthians eleven nineteen. You bear it if someone makes slaves of you. Paul writing in 2 Corinthians. In Colossians 3.13, it says this, forbearing one another. And into Timothy, Paul writes, you have followed my patience. And then James, we go back there for a second, the patience of waiting for a seed to grow into fruit. So here's where we end today. Pastor, I have matured a lot. I have matured so much from when you first met me. When you first met me, I had a electric chair that I equipped with pyrotechnics and if that would have been my old person I would have had that on the stage today and I would have talked about that but I'm going a different direction Uh, I have great friends who pastor over in Glenpool but they also help at TNT I believe is the correct place he told me they have helped to raise for missions over $900,000 in the last 20 something years working for a fireworks place but I called him up and I said, hey, I need something for Sunday. And he goes, what are you going to blow up? I'm like, what? I can't just. He goes, what do you need? I said, do you have any long fuse? And he goes, I don't know. Let me look in my fireworks. How many of you know it's a good pastor friend when he has fireworks at his own house? He sells them somewhere, but he has them at his house he, he said, he called me back about an hour later. He goes, hey, I do have, as a matter of fact, I have 20 yards of long fuse. Now, what it's called is called cannon fuse, okay? It's to give you a long ways away, and it's loaded with gunpowder. It's to give you a long fuse so that you cannot be right up next to the explosion. And I asked him, I said, do you, will you let me have that? And he goes, yes, it cost me a Wendy's, two Wendy's Frosties to get there. I said, will you meet me there? And he gave it to me and handed it to me. And today I've cut it up and I've put it across the front. We usually go out to a student's house somewhere to blow up 4th of July fireworks. And the impatience of it is this. And this is the thrill of it. This is the excitement of it. It's my son's favorite holiday. Better than Christmas is blowing stuff up. And where he inherited that from. But what you do is you go down, and we're down at Trent's house, and we finally get it to go, and then we, and we run as fast as we can so it doesn't blow us up. Unfortunately, some Christians live their life that way. They lean into whatever's there, set it on fire, and then run away. And then it explodes, and then you know what's left after that is usually debris, stuff. Leftover stuff is, is left after that. And 
There's not much you can do with that except clean it up, pick it up. It's not reusable. But the, the scripture that I started with today about this, the Greek being a long fuse, here's what I know with a long fuse is that when you light a long fuse, you have much more time. If you, if you actually needed to put something out on a long fuse, you could actually put it out. Maybe you need to change your mind about what you're doing, how you're living. And so in, in, instead, and one of the definitions that I found in, in reading commentaries was this, is the choice to have a long fuse is what the Holy Spirit does in the fruit of patience. When I start to develop the fruit of patience, it means I've developed a long fuse. I don't just, it doesn't mean I don't have any less intensity. It doesn't mean I have any less anger. It doesn't mean anything, any part of that is less. But here's what it does mean is that I have a long fuse. And the longer my fuse is, the more I can think through, pray through, let God help me through what I'm facing. So here's my question for you this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand all across the place if you'll stand this morning. I'm not going to leave the lighter up here, Pastor. And and very honestly, I thought about setting something off today. Thought about lighting it on fire. But really, it's the opposite of that today. I have tokens all across the front. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're dealing with. But I do know this, that the Holy Spirit, in His fruit of the Spirit... If you need this developed, if you need patience developed, it's leaning in toward that. Because see, some days it's love, that love, joy, peace. Some days we need that. Some days we don't have peace at all. Some days we don't have love at all. And we need to lean in on those things. But today, if you are like, I need to lean into that, here's what I've done is I've put, I've put fuses all across the front of the stage today. I don't know at your house. I don't know at your job. I I don't know how you live. But I do know this, that when I lean in to the Holy Spirit to help me, that he will. It's supernatural. Remember, if I do everything I can in the natural with the bucket of water, with gas, and, and then I make a choice to be a responder instead of a reactor. If I make those choices, here's what I know. Somehow, some way, the Holy Spirit comes alongside and I become a transformed person because I start to develop the characteristics of a person with a long fuse instead of a short one. But if that's you today, you're like, man, I've been short fuse all week. I, I got out two buckets of gasoline and poured it on this. Maybe your words set off a conflict that you didn't expect. But I do know this today. All across the front, I've set out fuses. And if this, this is one of the areas where you need the Holy Spirit to develop you, I'm going to ask you to be brave and courageous. Just walk up here. Would you pick one up and just put it, put it wherever, whatever your location of impatience is. I'll put it in my Jeep so 71st Street and 169, I can look at it. And even if Ann's not in the car to give me a sermon, I can see it and go, okay, be patient. You don't know. Be kind. You don't know what's going on in their life today. They're going to sing, and I'm, I'm going to pray first, and then I'm going to invite you to come. I, I don't know who these are for today, but I felt impressed today. Sometimes the, the first step 
toward transformation is just accepting that you need a first step. So they're all across here. Jesus, I love you today. I thank you that you're the one that develops patience in us. That through the Holy Spirit, your patience transforms us. And God, I pray today, every person who, man, that this is just where they're at today. Father, I pray you give them courage and braveness to come forward and to find across the front just a fuse, just to remind them that you want to transform them through the power of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, I thank you that you don't leave us where we were when we came to you, when we first accepted you, and instead through the Holy Spirit, you do things to develop us and make us new and make us fresh. And Jesus, I love you today for that, and I thank you that, that you do want to, in the long term, help us to be able to manage and, and t maintain the anger and the things that come our way. And Jesus, I ask you that this morning in this place. Amen. Would you come this morning? If, that's, if it's a place you're dealing with, would you come this morning? They're going to sing. They're going to worship. Pastor's going to close us out today. I'm challenging you. Would you just take a step toward him this morning, toward this moment of patience in this place, a long fuse?